Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 of the Real Talk Podcast presented by Reform Perspective. On today's show, we have on Mike Hutton from One Christian Thinks. He is the first returning guest, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, now wow. we had him on, yeah, as not an official episode, but a bonus episode. <laughs> it was Even, two official episodes in one. True, yeah, we had him on yeah. for a good long time, back around Christmas, I think yeah, it was. that's right. Yeah, yep. so, Christmas bonus. And that was a lot of fun. We had a good discussion. We talked a lot about critical race theory. We talked about... We talked about a lot of Politics stuff. a lot. Yeah. Liberals, conservatives, remember that? Yeah. So that was quite an engaging discussion. Marxism. Yeah. It was yeah. a bit all over the place. So I think today's episode, we're going to make a little more focused. That's yep. the idea. Drill down a little bit. Yeah. So we got a, we got a nice little outline done up Who here. Who are we trying to get? It's not going to be focused. Ah, we'll, we'll get our best <laughs> shot. Yeah. It'll be interesting and hopefully informative <laughs> yep. and, and engaging. So I think, uh, yeah, the main theme will be freedom. What does freedom mean? What is freedom? How does that get played out in our daily lives? What sort of rights do we have? Uh, how does the government fit into that? The role of all these these different types of things. So I think before we start into this discussion, though, maybe we should, um, yeah, just talk about, maybe Mike, just give a quick brief bio on who you are and just remind people if, if they haven't heard of you before, sure. what you do with the podcast. And then yeah. also, and then we'll kind of jump into what is freedom and we'll go from there. Yeah. So I started a podcast, One Christian Thinks. Um, what was it? I don't know. I don't even know when it was. It was probably about a year ago. Over here. Something yeah. like a year ago. Yeah. And it's been uh, on hold for half a year. So what's that? It's been on hold for half a yeah, year. Yeah, it has so. been. Been busy with other stuff. So the podcast was originally to discuss politics and worldview when when COVID started and when the Black Lives Matter protests were were going strong. So I wanted to kind of discuss my thoughts on it. Um so I, I started a podcast and got my thoughts out there. And um, since then, I've, I've put out a fair amount of content. I've read a book that I thought was really, uh, really beneficial. The uh, story, story of Liberty. Liberty. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost forgot the title. Um, <laughs> right now, I've got a, a small uh, political slash world group or worldview discussion group started. And that's uh, we meet regularly and that's been a lot of fun. So we're kind of trying to take this discussion down to the individual level and, and talk about ideas with people. It's nice. awesome. That's pretty cool. And how have people been reacting to that? How's it? Group They've been on? really enjoying it. Yeah. The group is going strong. Um, people are, are really appreciating it. Um, I was working on a, uh, we can talk about this later, perhaps what I was sure. working on a bit of an intellectual <laughs> paper as well with, uh, with another guy. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Cool. Neat. I think it's some, like, this is something people should start over. I mean, whether it's just friends in the backyard chatting. Yeah. Like, something formal like that sounds like, well, it's kind of what we're doing here, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole point, right? You want to inspire conversations elsewhere. Yeah. And then yeah. also, I think it's just super helpful because you listen to what's going on in the news and maybe you have some favorite podcast, whatever, <clears throat> real talk. But um, <laughs> one question, thanks. Oh, right. Yep. <laughs> but like you have all this information coming in and to process it, it's really helpful to sit down with others yeah. and kind of work mm. through your ideas yeah. and be like, okay, is this crazy or am and I alone on this or what's the yeah. deal? Everyone has different experiences and, and yeah. everyone, one thing that we discussed that I'll just throw out there is that no one this side of eternity will be able to fully understand the truth. But everyone can can start to grasp a certain angle of it, right? Yeah. So then it's super important to have discussions with other people because you don't know you don't know what they know. Yeah. And and um what they know might help you understand something else. So yeah. even even if it's a challenging discussion, it's super important to have. Yeah, that's cool. That's, there's so much to learn and just being able to listen to such yeah. a skill, right? To yeah. Hear what they're saying. So for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So, and you read the story of Liberty. Everyone should go listen to that. Mike's got a great voice for audio books. Oh, it was, it was awesome. I listened to it straight through. I was like, some days I was like all the way caught up and waiting for the next one. I'm like, Oh, come on. (laughs) Melodic. You, you like almost binged it. Oh, last night. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. I mean, it's, it's actually a great story and it gives me like, it gave me a, a way better idea of like the whole, I guess it's like the reformation era. Yeah. That's right. From the reformation moving forward and kind of like, you know, a lot of church history and then a lot of like just world history. Yeah. So, and then it directly ties into our conversation here. So, yeah. you yeah. know, the story of Liberty, the story of freedom. Like, why did we maybe give know? a quick overview on what the story of Liberty is and why he chose to do that as a podcast. So the story of Liberty is written by, uh, I think it's Charles Carlton Coffin, who was a, an American in the 1800s. And he goes back to the, uh, kind of the 1300s in Europe. I think it was John Huss was the first person he he kind of brings up and he shows how liberty in medieval europe developed through the preaching of the gospel Mm. um and how that kind of was brought over into north american culture and it it really shaped uh european culture as well Um, and he goes through all the reformers and he goes through a lot of different explorers who explored North America. Um, he writes it in a, in a story form. It's not a history textbook. And that's why I kind of enjoyed it. I, especially in high school, I wasn't a history buff. Um, Mm. and that this, this book really grabbed my attention because it's a story, it's a narrative Mm -hmm. and he does a really good job of, of just making it interesting. Yeah. And, and um showing how important these individual figures were yeah so yeah it's really yeah i found it captivating because you just you you follow the train of of logic throughout time and you're like okay so they did this john huss john wickliffe yeah you get to columbus discovering the new world yeah that's right was he gonna make it across the sea i think i know the answer but it's kind of cool to hear (laughs) well you don't know a lot of those stories but he tells it in a way that like the it's not like a, a fictional storytelling but it was also also not like a, a his like yeah. a history textbook where that's it's right like, and then he came and then he did the, it was like you know it would tell it in a way that's like yeah like it's a narrative but it's also like you know truth and you got to get like yeah a good point across yeah and you can yeah, see really cool, yeah. god's guiding hand through yeah. it all using exactly. you know these these rulers and yeah. tyrants and, and yeah. he keeps it moving so it's like it's yeah. a lot of history to cover and he keeps it moving in like every episode yeah. or every well, episode, every, every chapter. chapter. Like, it's and short to, it's short and kind of to the point And it's like, that's kind of the challenge of it is because there are a lot of names that are just thrown yeah. out. Right. Um, but it's still, I, I found it to be very, very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't, one thing I like about it is, is it's completely not politically correct. Like he doesn't oh, polish yeah. over anything. He no. just, he just tells it how it happened. Yeah. It's and, so accurate. Yeah. And, and it's it was refreshing to read that for yeah. sure mm-hmm. yeah brutal yeah. times yeah brutal times a lot, absolutely. Of, a lot of death a lot, of, a lot of uh like he makes like he doesn't beat around the bush like there was no. bad yeah. stuff that happened you know it, it almost rivals i would say it rivals the bible in how how it could be like uh uh careful of your next words no, like, a, like a, <laughs> there could be like a flippant casualty and yeah. you're like oh and then and he, he was stabbed and he was stabbed times. And, and it, then we moved on yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah. It goes to show, like, there were so many people who were like, oh, just were just offed, you know? Okay, then, yeah. Yeah, he was, on. he was put to death. Yeah. He was okay. like, okay, yeah. man, here we go. Yeah, that's like, history. Yeah. And, like, who was Don't like, bring me into that format. Christopher, <laughs> Christopher Columbus, like, the the explorer whose name we all know, perhaps yeah. the first explorer we think of, died poor and, and destitute, right? Yeah. 
And it's like, yeah. oh, wow. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was just a pawn in all yeah. these games of yeah, politics right. and yeah. Yeah. Europe's leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. cool to see. Cool. So okay. why do we got to discuss freedom? That's what I want to Well, know. yeah, I guess let's just back it up. What is freedom? Like? <laughs> so um, this is, it's a huge topic. And I, I want to preface what I say by saying that I, like, I am not studied in philosophy. There's people I'm sure who know a lot more about how freedom has been discussed historically. Um, how do you understand it? How do I understand it? <laughs> so I would say that the current contemporary understanding of freedom is, is to be able to do what I want. Right. Generally, if, if people are talking about their freedom, it's about what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But I find that that's kind of a, a bit of a, it's a definition that's lacking because we're, we're intrinsically, intrinsically limited by who we are. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and an easy example, it's a bit of a silly example, but it makes it very clear is if I wave my arms up and down as hard as possible, I can even attach feathers to my arms. I'm not going to fly like a bird. No. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm intrinsically limited by my being. Um, I can't fly like a bird, yeah. but that doesn't mean that I'll never, I'll never experience freedom. Yeah, it just, just means that's not part of my nature. Yeah, you don't have the freedom to fly. Exactly. Yeah. So freedom can't mean the ability to do whatever we want. Yeah. I would love to fly like a bird. I can't. That would be cool. That would be a <laughs> right? good superpower. Yeah. yeah. It'd be yeah. sweet. Superman. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's got to be something different. So uh, I was listening to one podcast. I think it was actually uh, Jonathan Pajot, if you. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. Fan okay. Yeah. Fan. So there we Similar. go. <laughs> um, and he referenced kind of a, a historical definition of freedom. And essentially that was um, the ability to live out your nature in the most complete way possible. And I, I had to think about it for a while, but then all of a sudden it, like, it started to really make sense because taking our example of not being able to fly like a bird, that's not part of my nature, yeah. but then to be free would be to live out my nature in the, in the greatest way possible. Um, mm. and so it's interesting. So if you, if that's the way you start viewing freedom, then you can ask yourself, well, what is our nature? What were we created to do? Mm. Um, and I, for this, for this question, I always go back to the Westminster larger catechism, or is it larger or longer? It's larger catechism. Question one, what is the chief and highest end of man? Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. Right? So that's what we were created to do. Yep. That is our being. That's our nature to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So then if we define freedom as fully, fully living out our nature, what we were created to do, yeah. then freedom is found in glorifying God and enjoying him forever. That's where freedom is. It's not in being able to do whatever we want. Yeah. And that's a fundamentally different idea of freedom. Hmm. Yeah. Cause the world doesn't think that at all. No, not but at all. Because you don't, they don't accept the, the premise that we are created. Right. 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 So freedom yeah. would be, freedom is doing whatever you want, I guess, perhaps with inside your nature. Yeah. Although we even, now we try to change our nature. We try to change. They don't admit what the nature is. So yeah. then, yeah, I mean, then you could just, instead of flying like a bird, you could become a woman tomorrow if you wanted. Right. So, which is, you know, an interesting concept. You can't so much do that as you can fly like a bird. But now <laughs> if you could just say that you can do it, well, then, you know. Sure. That's, yeah. Then that turns into freedom. Yeah. But then, so as Christians, then how do we, because we're understanding just the definition of freedom. Um, and you, you alluded to that, you know, we are created 
with this, well, in a way with this, we were created with this freedom and it's been, you know, stunted by sin. And now we're yep. slaves to sin. And now, well, now we are no longer slaves to sin because of Christ's work. But is it, is it important for us to go beyond just understanding like, you know, now we're not slaves to sin. Now we are free in, a, in you know, say our spiritual nature. Or is it like, is there... So you know, is there utility to understand that into like a practical world where like right. we can actually discuss this with people in the world? Right. Right. Um, so that's a great question because a lot of Christians kind of the feeling that I've gotten discussing freedom with with other Christians is that freedom kind of starts and ends with um, freedom from slavery to sin which is mm. the freedom we get from Christ, right? And this definition fits very well in with that. If we're if freedom is found in glorifying God and enjoying him forever, well, then we must not be slaves to sin anymore, right? right? So um, it's a great place to start, but that freedom um, also has, it, it plays out in this world. Like we were discussing about the story of liberty, how uh, Charles Coffin narrated that cr the Christian understanding of freedom actually actually affected the world and created freedom in the world both in europe and, and north america right mm -hmm. so christian freedom properly understood should have a a, a very strong effect in this world um mm. and yeah it started with the translation of the bible with right. Wycliffe, right and then just yeah, spread right. from there yeah. And, yeah so it's interesting in that in that book he constantly brings up um liberty of conscience Yes. Right? Mm. yes that's a that's a yeah. strong theme and that's directly linked to this so um in uh both the westminster confession of faith i think it's article 20 and the belgian confession i'm not sure which article it is um but in both of those confessions uh liberty of conscience is is um, referenced uh what they acknowledge there without i don't want to misquote it i don't have it in front of me um but I like how the Westminster Confession discusses it because it acknowledges that conscience is of God. Conscience comes from God and from the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that liberty of conscience means we have the ability to um, follow the Holy Spirit's guidance in how to live out our Christian life. And to limit how we live out our Christian life with man-made rules and man-made laws would be exactly what the Pharisees did in the, in the old mm -hmm. Testament, right? They put all sorts of man-made laws on God's people and, and restricted their liberty of conscience. So, hmm. um, in this world, then if man-made laws start to restrict your liberty of conscience, your, your freedom to live out your conscience as guided by the Holy spirit, that's a problem. So a comprehensive understanding of freedom allows for liberty of conscience, allows people in this world to live out their conscience. Right. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. Is there a place for, because this is all on a very individual level. Right. What about the, the collective side of things? Is So if, the, if you're supposed to be able to live out your freedom of conscience to, to the best of your ability with inside your nature to the glory of God. Um, and if the government puts in place laws and rules that impact your ability to exercise your freedom of conscience, is the church as a collective, the counter to the government as a collective in terms of the church should be standing up for freedom of conscience or 
uh, am I off base in, in making that comparison? It's a real COVID argument there you're having. <laughs> well, it, COVID is always the issue that comes to mind. It, but it like, slips in all the it, time. Yeah, right? it finds a way in. But that's not necessarily what could be the case. Yeah, right? sure. Totally. Um, and I mean, if we look back in history, it was the church. It, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the church as a whole often. It was usually one or two players. Yeah. Um, and you can go from, from Huss and Wycliffe and like you can, you can add Calvin in there and yeah. uh, John Knox and all those players, all the reformers that we, uh, we kind of esteem, yeah. um, they all stood for liberty of conscience. Hmm. Um, perhaps the one I, I heard now, I, this isn't something I fully researched, but apparently Luther was starting to question uh, complete liberty of conscience later on in his life because he saw the wars that it led to. Um, but the wars that it, it well, I can't, I can't discuss this authoritatively, but the wars that they led to um, were often to overthrow kind of uh, dictatorial monarchs. Tyrannical, right? Yeah. 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 That's right. So, who weren't respecting the freedom of conscience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hmm. So historically, yes, the church, or at least Christians, have fought for liberty of conscience. They were always the motivating force. Yeah. And, and we seem to, I don't necessarily want to say that the church should be rising up in this time to protest um, decrease of, of liberty of conscience. Yeah. But I do believe that the church has a role to maintain freedoms absolutely yeah. Yeah. and then yeah obviously ripples through our society like we've talked to several people about politics and how that in arpa and these things like how us as christians standing up for you know liberty of conscience liberty of expression and you know you know basically just our our rights that now we believe have been given to us by the government yeah yeah you know really benefits everybody so yeah um what about the flip side of that though because so I guess if the church is supposed to be the bastion of freedom and freedom of conscience being the primary of the freedoms, um, does the church not also have the responsibility, which would be the other side of freedom, to A, advocate for the freedom and B, to take care of those in her charge, I suppose? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's the flip side of freedom, right? Everyone loves to, to talk about freedom and, and everyone wants to be free. But with freedom, freedom demands responsibility. Because yeah. if you're free to to do something, then you're also responsible for whatever comes from your actions. Yeah. Right. So, um, the church absolutely has a responsibility. If, if we're to promote liberty of conscience, the church has a responsibility to, um, sort of maintain the environment that comes from that. Yeah. Um, and it's an environment that, that certainly demands, uh, morality in society sure right um it's a light yeah yeah, absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah. so the church must be a witness to society absolutely yeah both i guess both as the institution and then also the church's members within Mm -hmm. their lives whether that be you know in their daily work or if they're in the government themselves yeah that kind of thing it comes back to like creation i guess we're created with that full freedom right like you talked about that previously also in your podcast yeah 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 Yeah, i wanted to dig into that because i i really like that like this comes from a series that Mike did on, on freedom. This is why we, you know, got him <laughs> on the talk list. Yeah. A great topic. So the, um, I think it would be helpful if, could you run through the, the creation, like to understand better as Christians, what, what freedom really means and how that's built into, you know, the creation that God, you know, made and then 
why that is now like built into the world. And now, you know, you don't have freedom apart from God's design. Right. Like, cause you, you went through the commandments and then, you know, basically like, you know, portrayed them kind of in the creation story. Right. So I don't know if you can do that, you know, word um, for word or anything, but <laughs> I, just like, briefly, like, yeah, so sure. people can understand that. Yeah. So, um, what I did was I, I took the idea that freedom, the definition of freedom is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How do we do that? Um, we live out to, to glorify God is to, to live out our thankfulness to him by obeying his law. Right. Um, and his law generally most people accept that his law is the 10 commandments that that's sort of the moral code that we're to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I was trying to do was show how the 10 commandments is actually embedded in the Christian story or in the creation story. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, freedom in this world is to follow the 10 commandments. Of okay. course, of course we know that we're not saved through following the 10 commandments. It's a, it's an act of thankfulness for salvation. Yeah. Um, right. But that's how freedom is found. And that should be our, our guideline to pursue freedom is mm -hmm. to actually obey the 10 commandments. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't some arbitrary rules that God came up with, you know, while the Israelites were in the wilderness or, you know, right. Just to, just say, okay, well, we need some rules. Right. It wasn't so, something that was like an afterthought. It was right. built right in. It was crystallized. Built right into clear. creation. Yeah. So for example, and my podcast goes through each one of the, each one of the uh, 10 commandments and explains or attempts to explain how job. it's found in the creation story. Thank you. <laughs> um, the one actually, the one I'll bring up is one that I was, uh, I got some feedback on it. And, and uh, the person I, that I received this feedback from was like, Hey, you could have explained this commandment a lot easier. So it's the, no. <laughs> it's like um, you took the long way around <laughs> a little bit, but um, so to honor your father and mother, yeah. right. Um, that is the creation of a hierarchy, mm -hmm. right? It, there, there's a hierarchy there. It's not just family. Yeah. It, it shows uh, somewhat symbolically that God created hierarchy. And, and um, that is seen in creation with Adam and Eve being the, the father and mother of all things living. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So there is hierarchy in creation. That is where that commandment originated. Yep. Um, and it, I go through all of the commandments that way. And, um, it was an interesting exercise for me. Mm -hmm. You for really, sure. yeah, you really see the full dynamic, eh, between freedom and responsibility right. in the creation story because they're, they're created with ultimate freedom. Yeah. But yeah. then they have a responsibility, will, which is another word that like we throw around as Christians, but we don't really, really know what it means all the time. Yeah. Because, well, because free will, we don't really know what it means to have free will, but because we don't have a free will. This is something people don't, you know, <laughs> mm. I had this clearly explained to me at one point. Um, Catechism class? Uh, probably, yeah, something like that. But we'll say it was that early. Yeah. Probably again a couple times after that. But Adam and Eve were created with a free will. And so that, that that's like the ultimate freedom. That's like. They were created the, with ultimate freedom. They yeah. had the ability to fully glorify God and enjoy him. That's forever. why. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause within a robot the, can't yeah. do that within exactly. the bounds of the, exactly. of the, the rules or the, yeah, I guess the rules and the, you know, the governing structures that God put in place in the creation. Yeah. Which That's is right. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Something right. I, I thought when I was re listening to that, the angels don't really have, that would be like the, the governing structures of this world is what makes us, you know, free to play within this world. You know, for lack of a better term, something you pointed out when you 
you you gave an analogy of a like a board game. If you were gonna have someone over for a board game, right, right, just right. a brief brief explanation of it. You know, if someone had you over and you know had chips and dice and a board and everything, and just you all sat down and the guy, you know, your friend said to you, "Okay, go, you go first. And you're yeah. like, "I don't know the rules. Like, what are we doing here? Like, are we trying to go around the board? Like, what are we trying to?" Without any rules, you can't do. You can't make a meaningful move in life. Yeah. So rules. you can't you can't make a meaningful move in a game. So you can't make a meaningful move in the world. Rules so, are are necessary for freedom. Yeah. And I do so, have to acknowledge I got that metaphor from Jordan Peterson. So. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. With with the rules that were established in creation by God, um, Adam and Eve had the ultimate freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. But they also had the ultimate responsibility. With freedom comes responsibility. Yeah. They could literally destroy all of the perfect creation just by eating the fruit of one tree, just by mm-hmm. disobeying God, right? Yeah. So that's like that's the basis for both freedom and responsibility as humans. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I like the symmetry there though because yeah. So in the beginning, there is this tree of good and evil, and it's, yeah. we think of it as Garden of Eden, perfect world. Yeah. But evil was always a present option there. Yeah. Because of yeah, the because serpent, of free the will. serpent was there. The serpent, yeah. So that's that's part of the, the like the sandbox, the governing structures, as you kind of say. Like that's that's the world God created us in because that would bring Him the most glory, right? And then to redeem us, obviously brings Him glory, and we live our lives and thankfulness to Him. But right. part of that thankful living must be the pursuit of freedom, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it would follow to get back to that state, not that we do it ourselves, but through the Spirit in our hearts. Yeah. W- part of that is a pursuit of freedom and freedom of conscience, being the first one of those, right? Yeah, because um, like this goes straight back to creation too. Love is impossible with freedom. A, a relationship isn't possible without, without freedom. freedom. Yeah, yeah, without freedom. Mm, that's yeah. right. Um, and yeah. that's why the the tree of knowledge of good and evil was in the garden because God desired a relationship with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. They the option had to be there for them to disobey Him because if He created them. With only the option to love him, yeah. they would just be robots. Which is a question people always ask: is like, why was the option even there? If God, right. yeah, if God wanted us to sin, then why wouldn't He just make us sinful? And if He wanted us not to sin, why would He even put the option there? That's yeah. kind of the problem of pain, in you know, you know, a first principles kind of way, I guess. Well, like, he he wanted the option, or no, he wanted a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. He's a relational God, right? Which is why that tree was there. See, that's something that that's what I don't. That's what I meant by. The angels don't really have that because right like although although satan is a fallen angel, so, a fallen yeah, angel so maybe so, i don't yeah. know i mean speaking way outside my realm but i'm sure all of our realms you know <laughs> oh yeah but, you haven't been to heaven no <laughs> no not as such me neither yeah <laughs> it reminds me of though just you know for an aside that uh jordan peterson he said something maybe he was talking to peggio or somebody he said um if things get too good our human nature is to find a way to screw it up so that we can you know have something to strive toward yeah. it's like if we don't have a burden to bear then we you know just mess everything up so that we can have a burden to bear i like that just made me think about that with like with the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yeah right okay but also like you know if you think about in the states it's like yeah it's getting too good over there they're finding ways to screw it up yeah, just yeah. because it's like yeah it's kind of boring <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i wonder how that plays into this discussion of freedom but I mean, sinful nature always creeps in. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, no matter what. That that's part of living on this side of eternity, right? Yeah. Um, the the glorious hope that we have is that is is for an eternity with God, where there will no longer be a tree of knowledge of good and evil, because 
Christ has fulfilled all that rule. Mm-hmm. Um, he has he has united us with God. He has fulfilled that relational aspect. So we won't. There will will be no more tree of knowledge of good and evil in the in the new creation, right? Yeah, right. which is a which is an awesome hope. Yeah, definitely. yeah, so, yeah. yeah that, because uh, you know we'd find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always do. Yeah, like that Peterson idea you're referencing is yeah. actually actually he takes that from Dostoevsky. Oh, and yeah, there okay. was that great quote about like, even if man, like if everything was perfect and all good to like, you know, he would, uh, I'll just read here. I pulled it up actually, but even if given ep- economic uh, prosperity such that he should have nothing else to do, but sleep, eat cakes and busy himself with the continuation of his species, even then out of sheer ingratitude, sheer spite, man would play you some nasty trick. He would <laughs> even risk his cakes and would deliberately desire the most fatal rubbish, most uneconomical absurdity simply to introduce into all this positive good, a sense of his fatal, fantastic element. Doesn't that just describe America, like just down to a T right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's They're like yeah. this whole. It was it was getting too good there for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> let's burn her to the ground. Oh, in our in our country too, like in Canada. <laughs> Fair enough. All the West, really. Yeah, yeah. We, we're, it feels like we're searching for problems. Yeah, not that there aren't still problems to solve, but we invent. Yeah, a lot but we of sure are digging them up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no. quite literally. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, the past couple of weeks. Yeah. A lot of digging. Yes. Yeah, that's been a problem, yeah. Yes. Well, it was a problem for sure. Yeah. Um you want to get into libertinism? Because I just learned how to say that word. So Yeah. They well, gave for time. Just learn what that word is. Yeah. Because I yeah. I That's kind of where we're at right kind now. Kind of kind yeah. of where we're at. It's like if so yeah. Why don't you explain it? The, explain it. the problem that a lot of people that I've heard that a lot of people have with with sort of a uh, complete individual freedom is that well it goes one of two ways um, or, or perhaps a complete individual freedom goes one way it goes to libertinism um, and to be a libertine is essentially to have no bounds no morality um, nothing restricting your movements and that's that's kind of the contemporary idea of freedom right yeah but what I'm kind of arguing for here that freedom is to glorify God and and um, enjoy Him forever. That has an absolute morality. That has mm-hmm. a morality that can't be overstepped mm-hmm. because it's it's part of the Creator in this world and it's put in place by God. Yep. So um, understanding this this um, sort of absolute idea of freedom cannot lead to to being libertine to libertinism because there is an inherent morality yeah um i know yeah i've i've heard people say that that libertarianism and my definition of of freedom isn't quite libertarianism but libertarianism in effect just leads to libertinism yeah just a loss of morality yeah but i don't think that has to be the case as long as we're grounded in god Mm -hmm. and as long as we maintain that god is sovereign Mm-hmm. then we have an absolute morality that we cannot get rid of. Yeah. Cannot push it away. The more amoral you become, then the more rules the government must put in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah, once you turn to immorality, you turn away from God, then you also lose freedom. Yeah. You lose freedom both in the spiritual sense because you become a slave to sin. Yeah. And you lose freedom in the in the political sense. Political sense. Yeah. Because the government has to step in and and sort of hold people down a little bit yeah Man, well like, again like an american yeah. example but like john adams we were discussing this before yeah you know the constitution requires a, a moral populace yeah yeah and if mm-hmm. you don't have it you'll lose your freedoms pretty quickly that's right yeah yeah 
Yeah. And then rightfully so, I guess, for a government to, you know, take your freedoms away because you can't Locked be trusted. Them. Yeah. So it's, uh, and you know, but the government's not, uh, free of sin either, which just becomes a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get into, uh, you know, Sam Harris's arguments pretty quick. Like got to come up with our own morality. Otherwise a morality based on science. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah. then what yeah. is, is, would you say libertinism is a freedom devoid of responsibility? Um, to a certain extent, it could be, um, it could be seen as that because there's a recognition that, um, God's law and, and God's morality is the best thing, right? It's the best way forward. And, and, um, if you look at how the 10 commandments is set up, uh, even in this world, living by those 10 commandments devoid of the spiritual aspect actually is a positive. Um, for example, uh, no, but uh, I mean like libertinism, right. the way it's played out. Right. So do you think that's just unabashed freedom without responsibility? I think, I think there's a, there's a connection there. Yeah. Um, because libertinism eschews morality and that is going to have consequences. Yeah. Like mm. take the obvious one would be sexual libertinism. Right. Exactly. Right? There's yeah. obviously consequences. There's all that. sorts of consequences yeah. that people would just rather ignore and they do mm. ignore through things like abortion. Yeah. Yeah. The problem. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. That's right. So take the freedom, then fix the problem that it created. Yeah. Again, in air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that is that is a a great example of libertinism avoiding responsibility. Mm -hmm. You have this all this sexual freedom, yeah. this sexual revolution, and then the way to fix the problems that came up was abortions. Yeah. Abortions on demand, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that shows. I mean, it's tying it all together. That shows how far we how far our moral compass has slipped. Mm -hmm. yeah. How misguided we are. Do, you, do we see it in other areas of life, you think, like economically? Oh, yeah. I think Stim so. Like stimulus programs, that kind of thing? Well, stimulus programs, but also like you can look at, at big businesses that are, are run immorally without concern for yeah. oh, anyone yeah. they're affecting, stuff like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Post-Christian yeah. capitalism, yeah. Immoral yeah. capitalism. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, governments are not are not outside of that. If governments think they can do whatever they want yeah. um, and then ignore the responsibility through higher taxation or inflation or whatever, yeah. um, they're not outside of that. Yeah. You can see it as individuals too, right? Like just this, this ongoing, and we talked about this a bit previously on different podcasts, but I know in particular with Pastor Ian, this idea of expressive individualism, individualism, mm -hmm. good on, on, you know, in good measure. But that individualism has run amok. Yeah. And that's absolutely. all we think about is ourselves. Yeah. And it, we live in a very self-centered culture. Yeah. We have algorithms that are directly tailored to ourselves. It's all about what's best for you. Yeah. Make your own choices. And now that leads to that extension of freedom, which has gone too far because you take away the responsibility of it. So you're no longer responsible for your family situation. Right. You can just leave if things get rough. Right. Hmm. Or yeah. people just don't see their family anymore because they don't like hanging out with their family. Yeah. It used to be, you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You got to stick with your family. But more and more people are becoming, like there's a loneliness epidemic. Yeah. Like there's a ministry of loneliness in the UK. Yeah. And I would not it's be surprised crazy. if Canada went the same route. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the, the largest, um, I saw a stat the other day, the largest percentage of household type, single person. Really? Eh? Yeah. That just became really? like in the last year or so. That's not even affordable. That, that probably would reflect 
Um, that was the last census data in 2020. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would probably reflect growing prosperity in the way that young people are moving outside of their family homes and establishing their own home. Yeah. Um, but then not getting married, at least until much later. That could be too. Or if they're living in a basement, maybe it's considered a separate dwelling. Perhaps, yeah. Which in a lot of ways. But there is like, like, there's a lot of not married couples living together. Divorce, yeah, that as well. But divorce is rampant too. If you, true. If you, like I had it in university talking to my classmates and how many of them came from broken families. It was unbelievable. Big majority. Yeah. Even late in life, like absurd. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I'm, I'm curious. So where does, we talk about the government and we talk about individuals. Like I understand that individual freedom is like, you know, we live within the bounds that God has put in this world and, and freedom is to live within basically the guidelines or the, the law that God has given us. And then also we talked about like the government is, um, you know, as long as we're, the populace is moral, they can kind yeah. of stay out of it. But yeah. as soon as it becomes immoral, which is clearly is now they have to kind of step in, you know, for better or worse, I guess, you know, hopefully for better, but where do the two meets? Like we're, we're talking about like economic stimulus packages and stuff. And, yeah. like, and then the government's like, just, ah, just inflate the dollar. It's like, well, you don't like the authority to do that is like you created a problem and now you're fixing the problem by taking the freedoms away yeah, yeah. even more from the people who took the freedoms away at the beginning, beginning to fix things. Like, yeah. Where do, like, where do those two things collapse? Like, meet and then where do you like how do we as individuals i guess not just interact with the government but how do we understand you know our freedoms you know, we call them rights now i guess in relation to the government like so that's a very big question and it's a question that a lot of people have tried to understand over the past year and a half especially i've just started like last minute and a half so <laughs> <laughs> so um we're all christians here Let's talk the government's biblical role just mm. very quickly. Yeah. Um, if you go to Romans 13, there's a lot of people that like to stop at verse one. If you go to verse four and five, then um, it makes a makes a case there for the government's role as ordained by God, because the government is a minister of God. Um, that's often missed. That's that's the actual word that's used in Romans 13. Um, it's the same as <coughs> church deacons. They, it uses mm. the same word. So mm. so. The government is actually, it's put in place by God. It's a minister of God to do God's work, right? Mm, and yeah. God's role for the government is to promote good and punish evil. Okay, mm -hmm. so what's good and evil? Is good and evil defined by the government? Is good and evil defined by God? Well, if we're talking biblical context, good and evil is defined by God. So what's really interesting then, and this is the general historical reform position as well, is that the government is to promote good according to God's word. And it, so it's to promote the church and it's to promote um, living morally and it's to promote um, freedom as well because that is good as defined by God, right? Um, and it's supposed to punish evil. Mm. Um, so then if the government steps outside of that role and starts to define evil its own way and starts to define good its own way, then there's a, a very strong argument to be made, and this is an argument that I hold to, the government has overstepped its bounds and is no longer fulfilling its role, mm -hmm. right? And if, mm -hmm. if there's an authority that is no longer fulfilling its role, I believe there's a biblical model that in those areas, that authority is, is they've lost their it's authority. It's been voided. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so then 
that's an authority that no longer has to be listened to. Mm-hmm. Not in not in every area, but in those areas where it's overstepped. Yeah, and and we as Christians generally acknowledge this um, in the family and in the church. Yep. If there's a, an abusive mm-hmm. father or something, he's overstepped his bounds, and and something should be done to fix that situation. He mm-hmm. doesn't have unlimited authority in the family. No, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the authority in that case would be the state to come in and take sure take legal action. Sure. Yeah. Um, that, that could be one of the actions. Yeah. Um, there's situations where, uh, a wife is, is totally justified to remove her kids from that situation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And some might say that's, that's overthrowing his authority, but he stepped outside of his, his authority first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then we think the same of church leaders, perhaps, perhaps we don't realize it, but if like, if an elder in the church was going to put you under church discipline for not taking a certain job, right? We'd say, oh, he's, he's overstepping his authority. That's ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a bit of a silly example because I don't know very many situations where that would happen. No. Right. But we wouldn't feel compelled to listen to him, even though he is a spiritual authority over us, mm-hmm. but he's overstepped his authority in that realm. Yeah. Right. But we have a tendency to, allow the government to overstep the limits of their authority and still maintain that we have to listen to them. But what if a government is abusive to its people? What if a government tries to force people to act a certain way um, mm. outside of their realm of authority? Yeah. And determining what that realm of authority is, is where the freedom of conscience comes in. Exactly. Yeah. So um, a lot of people have this idea that government regulations are a necessary limit to personal freedoms. But no, they shouldn't be. If the government is is a biblical government and we have an understanding of biblical personal freedom, then the government should actually be supporting personal freedom. Its regulations uh, should never be a decrease on individual liberty. No, no. But we don't think about (laughs) it like that. No. No. Do you think that goes back to the charter? Or do you think that goes back farther in this country? That's a, that's a really good question. There was, I, I believe there certainly was a shift with the, the charter, um, as basically introduced by, uh, uh, Pierre Pierre Trudeau, um, Justin's father. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the charter, the history behind the charter goes back a long ways, right? There was English common law, English common law goes way back into kind of the period of the story of liberty, sort of 15, 1600s. Um, was the Magna Carta even before that, though? The Magna Carta was before that. The Magna yeah. Carta led to English common law being developed. Yeah, right. Because the yeah. Magna Carta realized that that the king doesn't have divine right. Yeah. yeah. Right? The the king actually has limits to his power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that's basically what the Magna Carta acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. So then that developed and and as freedom developed in Europe um, the, the Brits established a, um, a series of common law precedents. So what happened was they recognized that every individual had basically the maximum amount of freedom given to them by God. That was very recognized. Mm. And then the way, so if, if one person's freedom infringed on another person's freedom, then the, that matter would go to the courts and the courts would adjudicate and they would determine where one person's freedom stopped and the other person's freedom started hmm. so like a com- common phrase is uh my my freedom to swing my fist around 
ends at your nose, that ends at the tip of your nose, right? Yeah. So I don't have freedom to hit one of you in the face, right? No. Right? Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just and, about. <laughs> so, but these were the the British courts, the English courts at the time adjudicated all these problems between individuals and society. Mm-hmm. And what they established over hundreds of years was a a series of precedents yeah. that um, helped define our inherent rights and freedoms. Yeah. So hmm. that is a that is a system that spread throughout the Commonwealth, throughout the British Commonwealth. Um, it was kind of, from what I understand, it was the basis for the U.S. Uh, Bill of Rights and the mm-hmm. Constitution. Yep. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, but then what happened in Canada was uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau basically pushed all that series of precedents aside and wrote the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And there is still an acknowledgement of uh, of God as sovereign in the beginning, yep. but those rights and freedoms were defined by the government rather than being established on sort of the maximum possible personal freedom as given to us by God. Hmm. So that was a, a significant sort of philosophical shift in the understanding of freedoms in Canada. Hmm. Yeah. So you don't yeah. think even though the preamble says, whereas Canada is founded upon the principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law, you still think it's a shift to government mandated rights as opposed to like, I'll make the counter case, like say you had all these hundreds of years of political thought and precedent leading up to, they take all that, they combine it all and they say, look, we hold, they don't use the, the American words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, yeah. but they say, look, like these are founded on principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Therefore, let's lay it all out. What about the charter makes it uh, government dependent as opposed to, um, I guess, natural law precedents? Sure. Um, I would say that, well, I'm no. not sure where it is in the charter, but okay. it acknowledges that the government has the ability to um, decrease freedoms as outlined in the charter. Demonstrably justified would be the yes. phrase probably. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, the government can decrease freedoms if it's if they can show that decreasing those freedoms is necessary. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'd like to know where that is. Is that biblically found? Is that found on God's sovereignty? Can the government decrease, can the government biblically decrease yeah. an individual's freedom? And how is it justified? So that's a big question, right? But then just the very fact that um, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Well, I mean, all our law is supposed to go back to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Yeah. Has the Canadian government governed in a biblical manner over the past 60 years? Mm. I would say the vast majority of them have not acknowledged God as sovereign, even though it's a preamble in the in the charter. Yeah. They have not acknowledged God as sovereign, right? Yeah. So now you're governing off a document that you're not even listening to. And but- if if you feel it's demonstrably justified to to limit freedoms that are given to us by the charter you're allowed to hmm. right and yeah no they haven't i mean we've we've talked about this with covid but i can think about like um compelling speech for like use of pronouns for a transgender right. person right well is that demonstrably just justifiable right they use the argument in that legislation that it you're basically you know you're basically committing a crime against this person. It would basically, I think it was, they called it violence. Yeah. It was violence, right. like not to call them by their, by their preferred, by their pronouns. preferred pronoun. Well, yeah. if you think calling somebody by their preferred pronoun is 
violence, well, then maybe that's demonstrably justifiable. So now how do you, to, to how do you define what that is? It's right. like, it's not up to you to define what that is. It's up to, uh, so, to so God and his law. Like, ultimately, what they're saying is then it's up to the courts to, it's up to the courts and the politicians to um, decide if these restrictions on freedom are demonstrably justifiable. Yeah. Um, and I think the important part to note is that whereas the, so English common law allowed the, the courts to adjudicate, they adjudicated between individuals. They didn't adjudicate, well, it was a little bit, there was a parliament set up so they could decrease the power of the monarch. But right now it's it's the government putting laws in place to suppress freedoms often, Correct. Yeah. right? Yeah. And that's happening more and more. We see with uh, Bill C-10, uh, Bill C-10 was, it's an absolutely ridiculous bill. Thankfully, um, it got shut down in, in the Senate. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about that. For right? now, For because now. they're on summer recess. Now, if there isn't an election, they'll be right back at it. In the right. Fall. It's brutal legislation. Yeah, like, Bill C-10. Basically, oh. it's... it's um, people are surprised when you... Like, if you tell them about that, that yeah. people don't know about it. Like, yeah. they, it just, like, blows people away. Yeah. It's a piece of legislation that allows the government to define hate speech, essentially, and, and yeah. criminalize it. And also to monitor that online. Yeah. And, and so that you... It basically is taking away all your gives them the power that yeah. youtube has right now to yeah. regulate creators right and regulate, gives the government that power regulate right. freedom of speech which makes it not youtube any other big platform speech. right yeah. but so there you see a an example of the government defining what is good and evil mm-hmm. the government has the ability to to define what is hate speech yeah mm-hmm. um and i mean so far we've seen that they've defined not calling a transgender person by their preferred pronouns that is hate speech mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i mean there's there's no there's no biblical there's no, grounds for that there's no yeah and there's no, no limit to what it could go where it could exactly go and then we yeah. saw so bill c10 has been passed through the house uh, we saw the introduction of bill c36 which expands those powers even further um, bill c36 is a very scary bill if if bill c10 uh receives royal assent then bill c36 is coming down the pipeline and that's a that that restricts those freedoms even further yeah um, people are always shocked when i say that in canada we do not have freedom of speech um yes it's in our charter but we do not have it uh-huh. yeah, like just reading through this too like it's actually so contradictory yeah like it talks about you know you're like okay even in the beginning like we said like okay so recognize the supremacy of god and rule of law after that okay well, that's fine and then it also says you know the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in its subject only to such reasonable limits, again, very vague, prescribed by laws that can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. Right. That so is a he, tremendous amount of leeway. But yeah. then, then the, the assumption right there is that the government has the authority to tell you what's what. And you have to basically prove that you, you know, you're within your bounds to act freely, which is that's. You know absurd it doesn't say anything in there like okay unless we can prove from the bible that you know this is within you know the nature in which we should be acting then we can, like yeah it made me think when you we were talking about the, the english common law that they were the first people to come up with a court system that that was your maybe not the first but definitely yeah. most common that yeah, you're innocent proven. to proven guilty yeah, yeah which right. sounds like oh that's cool right that's like the yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's like, that's what we have, right? We don't really know any different. But if you really think about where that comes from, is like, like what we were saying. Like, if you, you're, the Magna Carta said, everyone, person has freedom and the, the king doesn't have 
you know, divine authority over everything. Yeah. Then, then you have the freedom to go out and do whatever until it meets up with your neighbor's freedom. Yeah. Like right, right at the tip of his nose. Well then you have to be innocent until you're proven guilty because you have the freedom to act. Yeah. But if, if it's not that way, if you're guilty until proven innocent, then you're, then you're being governed by a law that you're not really a part of in your essence. Like when you were created, you weren't necessarily part of freedom. You were given freedom by someone. Right. And so right. the government gave you it. If, if like our, you if, were born as a citizen, then the government allows you like, this is be like, you know, you go to North Korea is like, you know, you're right. not, you assumed that you're not allowed to do something. Yeah. What you're allowed to do is what we tell you you're allowed yeah. to do. You're, you're presumed guilty. Right. And, and you're presumed guilty. Like you're across the board. You're not free. Yeah. And you're guilty. And, and so that's like, that's been a standard through so many societies and th- through so mm-hmm. much of history. Um, in the, in the medieval times, the king had the divine right or the monarch, the king or queen had the divine right. Mm-hmm. And they could decide the fate of someone's life. Yep. And they did in the story of liberty. <laughs> yeah. And realistically, that's that's not too different from what we see in places like China, where mm-hmm. the the Communist Party in China can like the the atrocities that they're committing is is unbelievable almost. It's mm-hmm. it's their basic uh, dictatorship allows them to get a lot done. Yeah. To, to quote our prime minister. But yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, is that what he said? Oh yeah. Back, well, that's brutal. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy actually. Yeah. So but that's but that's exactly what not having freedom means. It's like now the government can, you know, do whatever they need to do, do whatever they want. And so, I mean, that document, like charter is pretty close to being, you know, it's terrible. A, it's very much, <laughs> it represents where we are today and why we got right, there. Right. And like how, you know, it's, we're not North Korea, but we're also not America. America's like you say, the assumption is, you know, like I'm an American and yeah. I can do what I want. Well, you just know, it's like you, you get that feeling when you're like, okay, well, this would only happen in America. Like yeah. the Tiger King. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Things like that. Oh, like, I can own a hundred tigers. Things that, like that are absurd that you're like, that cannot exist in this world. It happens in America. It's like Florida. That's so, where it happened. It's really interesting right? because um, I know many people would object to this, but there's, um, there's a recognition and there was a recognition among reform people as well. Um, if you go back to the Dutch politicians back in late 1800s, early 1900s, guys like Kuiper, um, there's a recognition that America was founded on these principles on, on the, basically there's two principles that God is sovereign yeah. and we must have liberty of conscience. Yeah. Mm. Right now, people don't necessarily like to hear that because, well, that means that you can make a strong argument that the American revolution was actually a positive, a good revolution. Yeah. Uh, hmm. a, a revolution that was fought on biblical principles and yeah. well that if if we ha- if we um that's a challenging thing to try to understand because <clears throat> that means that in certain cases it might be acceptable for christians to overthrow an authority yeah right hmm. um, mm. and then you have to well you have to wrestle with well in in what situations would that be acceptable yeah right Hmm. So that's a challenging, challenging discussion to have. And it's, it's it is. for sure. Well, I think, yeah. And part of, I think the reason why it's challenging is because we're used to, I think we're used to enjoying freedom. We're used to a government that generally supports the church. Yeah. And, and, and then also human rights. Right. So, it, well, 
I hate saying human rights because human rights makes it seem like even the charter of rights and freedoms, it makes it seem like the government's deciding what that is. Right. And then, then you can very easily be like, well, okay, well, no, it, as long as you use pronouns, then you have rights. Like, right. It's like, wow, that's not freedom. So, you know, as set, as set, you know, into play by God, but we're, I think we're used to having, you know, some form of freedom that feels comfortable. Right. And then we're okay with you taking just a little piece. Like even right now, like, so we're, what is this? Like we're in July. We're still in, are we in an emergency state with COVID? We are. Ontario. Yeah. So we're still in state. an emergency state. Well, okay. Yeah. First of all, let's not get into COVID because it's insane. But we're still like 30% in, not even 30%, 15% in church. I'm not even sure. We, we worship outside. We're yep. making concessions for all these things. Yep. And everybody like, it's like, you know, there's capacity limits in Costco and there's capacity limits. So the government's telling people that they have um, a limited capacity to be free, basically, and to, and right. to you know, perform their government and, or perform their business, sorry, and then also worship and all that. And because it was so much worse before, everyone's just like, yeah, okay, we're back to, yeah. like, I honestly don't even really notice. Yeah. It's like I, I slap a mask on, which I annoyed about, and then I walk into a store and, you know, I don't go into a lot of stores day. and I buy a lot of stuff on Amazon. Like, yeah. you just get away from it. And now, like, if you were to tell me that, you know, we're only ever going to go back to 50%, I'm like, ah, yeah, well, well uh, it's like, whatever. Better than it could be. Right. So then, like, so because of how bad it's been, now you get some freedom back. You feel good about it. Right. But I feel like we've we've been in this state where we've we've had the freedom and now we're willing to, you know, dispense with it. Right. And, and I mean, it comes back to what we were originally talking about. Um freedom demands responsibility but um people like to give up responsibility and we've seen that mm. over kind of the past 60 70 years when the welfare state really was implemented in in north america canada and the states yeah. um, we saw the government take more and more responsibility for people's lives mm. and an, an interesting example is healthcare. a lot of people support uh government-run healthcare because it gives health care to everybody yeah but what happens with it? What happens is that the government actually takes responsibility for your health. Your health is seen as, it's not seen as your responsibility anymore, which is why the government uh, almost has to impose all sorts of restrictions when there's a public health issue, yeah. because it's their responsibility to keep people healthy. Yeah, that's interesting though, because, right? but that's how, if, if you asked me to take that responsibility back, I don't think I would. So that's, so now why, so now where does that level of freedom start? Man, like I sure ain't coming up with good treatments for cancer sure. personally, but even for my family. Was like, that, there's a recognition that, I mean, governments rarely come up with treatments for cancer. It's usually private right. business. Yeah. Uh, right. Go, go yeah. for the best cancer treatment. Where are you going? But so, know, to the hospital of the government. America. <laughs> so for example, yeah. no, one, one, one example of this that's very pertinent is that within the whole, all the COVID restrictions and all the COVID recommendations, there was very little talk, especially on the political level, of what each individual could do for themselves. Mm -hmm. There was almost none. It was actually specifically avoided by uh, public health officials. Huh. Um, things like, and they're proven interventions that you can do on the individual level. Uh, exercise, vitamin D, um, a variety of other things. Experimental treatments that, that showed promise in a lot of other situations were not allowed, and were actually not allowed to be discussed within Canada. Um, so I, I know a guy who actually ended up in the hospital with COVID and he asked the, the COVID doctor there, hey, what can I do? 
what can I do to kind of get over this faster? And the COVID doctor said, well, um, if your breathing gets worse, we're going to stick a ventilator in you and that's it. And he's like, no, what can I do? Um, can I, can I take, I don't know what they are, ivermectin or the other variety of experimental right. yeah. treatments. And the COVID doctor said to him, we can't discuss that. It's not even allowed to be discussed because the government has determined that it has responsibility for your health. Yep. See that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and they don't want to take the risk to give the doctor, the individual doctor, the freedom to make a call for right. an individual patient I mean, in that circumstance. That's coming down the pipe with obesity even. Right. It's like, you can't call me fat. Exactly. But yeah, but you're unhealthy. You know, like you're not just like, you know, it's not like we don't like how you look. It's like you're, you got diabetes and you got a problem. Yeah. Statistically. And now it's becoming people have yeah. more health problems. And so here's what <laughs> we statistically know works. Yeah. How about you? Tr no, can't say that anymore. Right. Because people want to, whether it's people want to, or people have gotten accustomed to the government accepting responsibility for them. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's every time the government accepts, res accepts responsibility for something, it decreases our freedom. <clears> hmm. <throat> Yeah, let's talk about the responsibility thing more because I that really struck me when I was listening to your series. Like, freedom is, I would say, like definitely like it, it is followed by responsibility. Yeah, like you, absolutely. You have freedom, but now you have to take responsibility for what actually happens to you. Yeah, and then that also means like in your life for those around you, personally, and then as you know, s small collective of your family, larger collectives. Yeah. So how, I mean, maybe just more examples would be, would be good. Like healthcare is one, but there's, yeah. Can you think of any other like examples of where like responsibility really is something that we, you know, we don't always want. It's like, no, exactly. No healthcare, yeah. but like how nice is it to just sit at home and play video games? Yeah. Pretty nice. Yeah. Just collect that serve money. Yeah. yeah. Collect the serve money and sit, sit at home. Responsibility like, is difficult and it's like, it's scary because you have to acknowledge that what you do might have consequences that you don't like. Hmm. Right. Um, and um, the flip side of that is, and I, I think Jordan Peterson talked about this, is when you accept responsibility in the greatest way possible, you also live the most fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's tied into the meaning crisis? I mean, obviously, a lack of the gospel, but also yeah. people are, yeah, shifting away from responsibility at a rapid yeah. rate. And I mean, if like it's completely tied because if you're not responsible or something, then I mean, you have less meaning, right? Yeah. If mm -hmm. you accept responsibility, then your life uh, more and more becomes filled with meaning. Yeah. To give yourself rules, to have a code to live by, aka God's God's law in this case. Yeah that gives you purpose and meaning and it gives you a standard to yeah, live to. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, responsibility is, is so important for sure. Yeah. So is it self-imposed rules? Because there's like the government can give you rules and then, I mean, obviously God's law gives you rules, but not everyone's looking at that. So, yeah, I think, and you see it with guys like Jordan Peterson, right? He's got his 12 rules for life yeah. and then he's got, 12 more 12 rules, more rules right? <laughs> 24 rules for it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's self-imposed rules. Interestingly, they, a lot of, like in those books, in those rules, there's a lot of biblical principles, mm -hmm. right? It's um, almost like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Almost, <laughs> God or Jordan Peterson? Well, well God both. for sure. <laughs> both, probably, <yeah. laughs> so um, I would argue that, that the way to, 
like like I've explained, the way to true freedom and true meaning in life is to follow God's principles, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, they're inherent in creation, and they're they're how we live out our our nature to the fullest extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, you see it in guys like um, Jocko Willink, you know? Jocko? Yeah, Jocko. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Discipline is freedom. Discipline is freedom, and and I mean Jordan Peterson is full of the same stuff. Yeah. So it, it's almost like there's a resurgence of this. Yeah. As we're as um, most of society is trying to push away responsibility, yeah. then you have these guys, and I would even say Joe Rogan. Yeah, right? that too. Joe, mm. um, you have these guys that are very big cultural icons yeah. who are talking about this and, and saying that you have to be disciplined to have freedom and you have to live by a, a code and you have to take responsibility. Yeah. And it's recognized that that leads to a more fulfilling life. Yeah. Often they're devoid of the spiritual aspect. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's coming from a, con- it's like a conscience that's, you know, right. It's there. Yeah. Like, yeah. It may work for this world or at least for a time, but you're still relying on your own principles and your own rules. If you don't have God's law mm. underneath that. Well, right. or the principles that are inherent or that you've grown up with in the culture that is, or used to be based on God's word. So you're relying on your parents and the society that in general that raised you hopefully the mostly moral yeah yeah. you know but if if we're relying on man's code well i mean we, clearly it's a disaster we but, acknowledge man's inherent sinfulness right so yeah. so any man-made principle is going to be sinful as well yeah. and it's it's going to go somewhere we don't want to go mm-hmm. but i think the reason why it works for a lot of people is because they're pulling from biblical principles absolutely yeah. like take care of yourself take care of your family yeah like take care of yourself isn't like this like bs self-care sort of no that's right it's like like work hard yeah like work out keep clean your room eat healthy and i think part of the reason that a lot of these guys end up kind of coming up with with their own principles or their own is because we have such a strong christian foundation to these countries still yeah right and there's they're drawing from that heritage yeah of course and they end up having a lot of a lot of Christian principles in their ideas, even though they might not be explicitly Christian themselves. Possibly unwittingly as well, too. Because, yeah. Well, because we are created and because these principles are true and timeless. Yeah. Just by virtue of living in this world and experiencing real life and gaining that experience, people can learn these principles. Like they oh, are yeah. somewhat natural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, don't kill people. Yeah. Seems natural. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not natural. It's you know, become natural because we've accepted. Or just like how delayed gratification is a much better long-term strategy right. than instant yeah. gratification. Right. Yeah. Like you can't just, you know, go out and party all the time. Like so you should probably. It's built right into the world. Yeah. 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 So that's like establishing that from that God in God's creation have just shone through as, you know, truths people can't really get rid of. So, yeah. But that makes me think of Sam Harris again, because it's like, you could argue that, well, like for people who don't know, he argues that you're, you can come up with a moral compass on your own just based on the way that what is what's the word that he uses um i'm not 100 percent sure what human flourishing he, is usually is yeah yeah something like that comfort right. or He's like key. uh yeah like you, you, basically you know the good and you know the evil and your or you know what pain is and you know what good is so it's like yeah. good versus bad so if, each, everyone, if everyone knows that you can come up with your own code if each individual but, yeah kind of exercises what would be best for their life yeah you'll end up at a at some sort of moral code. yeah which is so it's an insane thing for him to even say because you grew up in a country where that's not the case so yeah. how do you how do you grow up in a framework that's not that 
and then try to come up with that. Or it's like, well, he he's grown up in a country. He's like in his fifties or something. Like he's yeah. grown up in a time where that's what America has done, and that's what the West has done. It's been every man to himself. Like do what you find right in your own eyes. Yeah, and we've seen this rodeo before. Like yeah, in judges. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't go well. And doesn't the cycle go well. gets shorter and shorter every time. I don't yeah. know if you guys have read his book, The Moral Landscape. No, no, I, I don't know like, if I'd be able to pick it up. <laughs> I, I've I've worked through it, and it's like he acknowledges the holes in his argument. Oh, yeah. it's like Darwin. But he carries on with the argument anyways. And it's like, <laughs> like you just shot your whole argument. Like you just debunked your whole argument. That is not possible because some people might, might think that they're flourishing by abusing other people. And then there's your whole morality. You shot. see that through tyrants all through exactly. history. That's like yeah. that C.S. Lewis quote. Like, yeah. I forget exactly. I'm paraphrasing, but like the worst person to be under is like a tyrant who thinks he's doing it for your good. For your own good. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Which was, you see a lot of that in like the Inquisition in the yeah. Middle Ages or whatever. Yeah. In the Reformation. That doesn't define our government. Yeah. Our government. Team, oh, we're doing right? it for your good. There's unlimited <laughs> taxpayer funded abortion. <laughs> unlimited taxpayer funded yeah. euthanasia. This is progress. Wear a mask. Unlimited <laughs> taxpayer funded serve. Like it's just, uh, yeah. It just keeps going on. Yeah. yeah. All right. Where are we going from here? Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about kind of authority structures. And I want to hit on that again because it's an interesting idea. Um, just the fact that, and it's easy to target governments, but I also want to discuss a little bit about other authority structures as well, uh, family mm. and church authorities, just how there's the, there's kind of the interplay of, of freedom and responsibility there as well. Right. So, um, government's low hanging fruit, so I'm going to pick it. Um, <laughs> when the government develops, for example, a welfare program. They're trying to take care of the people who can't take care of themselves, essentially, right? A and noble we, goal. Yeah. A noble goal. We acknowledge yeah. that there are times when someone can't take care of themselves, whether that's severe mental health problems or uh, severe illnesses, stuff like that. Yeah. We acknowledge that people can't take care of themselves. But what's happened now, the welfare system has existed for approximately three generations. We've had three generations on welfare. There are third generation recipients of welfare because mm. the government is not capable of understanding when to give people their responsibility back mm. and when to give people their freedom back. So if the government steps in a situation and, and gives someone, um, whatever disability payments because they injured themselves at work or whatever, and that person starts to regain function, but wants to keep gathering the disability payments, the government of, often can't realize that, right? Mm. It's very hard. It's very hard. Without boots on the ground. Right. Exactly. You yeah. have to monitor everything to Every be able to individual. do that. And yeah. the government simply isn't isn't big enough to do that. So a bigger government. Bigger government. Well, <laughs> you end up <laughs> it, it still is an impossibility. And I mean that's what the Soviets found. So um because once you have have helped out in a situation, the proper thing to do is as the as the person gains the ability for more responsibility, you also give them more freedom. Mm. Right. So the government is incapable of doing that because it can't assess every situation at the local level. Which makes sense. Which yeah. makes sense. And, and so we have this in the family as well. Um, children are specifically given to parents because parents uh, properly raise their children by being very involved in their lives and mm -hmm. recognizing when, when children can handle more responsibility and thus also greater freedom. Yeah. And that develops a person. Right. Yeah. That allows a, a toddler to develop to a, a functional adult yeah. who's capable of thinking for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So if we if we take that to the welfare example and 
healthcare or whatever else. Um, if a person who is incapable of, of their own responsibility, being responsible for their own life is first helped by their closest circle, their family, um, in the absence of their family, it would be their closest community. Um, then that community can recognize, Hey, this person can accept more responsibility. We should give them more freedom. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, they can do their own groceries now. Excellent. Or they can cook a meal for themselves. Let's let them do that. And that allows people to build their sense of meaning as well, allows them to, to develop themselves out of whatever trauma or struggle or mental health issue they're dealing with. Right. But the government can't do that. The government's not big enough. It's, it's, It's simply like a logistical impossibility. Yeah. Or it's too big and too far away. It's too big and too far away. It's centralized mm-hmm. and then yeah. it, it simply can't monitor everything that it has to. So it's almost like, and this might be a crazy theory, but it's almost like you should join a local community group that could take care of you. <coughs> Some would, something yeah, like, something like a church. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. They, 100%. The, yeah. the parenting thing makes me think because, you know, the parent, you know, trying to learn how to raise a kid. Well, if so, I kind of think I'm just seeing it on both sides, like too much responsibility for a child isn't good. Like right. you can't expect your kid to make, you know, throw them in the what, deep end, gen- gender decisions at four. Yeah. yeah. Um, if like gender's a decision, um, man, yeah, you accepted the line. worldly individual. <laughs> um, well, too much responsibility for a kid. Everyone knows that's no good. So, but then too much freedom on the other side. So like, even the economic thing is like, okay, well you can pay somebody their entire life take away all their responsibility take all away all their freedom basically yeah pay them on welfare or you have a kid who's you know a millionaire's kid and all the guy does is throw money at him right well he's got unlimited freedom like you know that kid's not any fun he doesn't learn responsibility either okay maybe he's really fun but he's (laughs) it's a terrible situation like there's just as many terrible situations on one side as there's on the other right so somewhere up the middle is what parenting is yeah and I don't know which side of the middle I'm on, but I figure that out, I guess, at some point. Yeah, get off the fence, maybe pal. one kid is like, well, I mean, like, even growing up, it was like, okay, I mean, I was, I think, more on the, uh, you know, less freedom, more responsibility side, you know, growing up, you know, maybe a conservative home. But then I had friends who were, like, much more on the, you know, hey, here, have some money, take the car, let's go. I don't need to know where you are for a few days. It's like, and I'm like, oh, oh I wish I was that kid. But now I'm like growing up, I'm like, I don't think I wish I was right. that kid. <laughs> Freedom and responsibility have to balance each other out. Right. right? And so like in, yeah. And then obviously you see it carrying through into adulthood, but like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think as a parent for sure. Yeah. Hopefully it makes other people think. <laughs> yeah. You can have a car, but you have to get a job to pay for the gas. Right. But you if you let it. that go with too much freedom, it's yeah. like, okay, but now you're just, but yeah, I don't know. You end up in a place where you don't have freedom anymore. You become a, a, essentially a slave to those handouts, right? Yeah. Mm. And Jeez. then you no longer have freedom. You're a slave. Would you guys be, you guys are both parents. Would you be anti-allowances then? Well, <laughs> could you use question. them as a reward though for doing Not work. if they buy the grass seed for the lawn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they're carrying for. Yeah. I think that could be judged on a, <clears throat> on a kind of an individual basis. Yeah. And two years old. Yes. I'm against allowances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it would have to be done in a way to to teach responsibility as well, yeah. for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're giving a handout, you have to also teach responsibility for yeah. to use that properly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were just always paid with a meal. 
It's like you're getting supper <laughs> to the choice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of parents okay. are like, well, okay, we're not going to give you an allowance, but you can live here for free. So there you yeah. have it. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. So appreciate that. <laughs> like I'm 12. <laughs> Get a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's just an interesting thing to think about. So I'm, you know, yeah. My interesting tirade. I don't know. But mm. it also happens in the church, right? When, when we so often in the church cultures we live in, we accept a certain way of life and that ends up in a way turning into a rule and restricting mm. people's freedom to to live out their conscience as they would see fit so okay, well, that's really interesting yeah, yeah we talk about that a lot so, so mike's we, coming out against two services no. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding i have liberty i'll be on the beach thank you no geneva too yeah. no, um but but this is it's something that as christians we really have to understand before we can expect to see it in society mm. right so one kind of funny example that I was just talking to another guy, another Christian recently, and he's been through a fairly large number of different churches. He's a little bit more on the emotional side. He likes to raise his hands when he sings. Hmm. Right now, how many churches would he get kind of stared at? Right. But oh, all the ones I've been to, he actually feels a conviction to raise his hands when he's singing because it's part of an emotional response to God, right? Um, so we as Christians, and and there's so many examples of the little cultural norms that become, in a way, rules mm-hmm. without being rules that end up restricting people's liberty of conscience, right? And mm. so we as Christians, I think, have to be extremely aware of that, um, whether whether we create rules purposefully or or inadvertently we have to be extremely aware of how we how we might limit each other's liberty of conscience yeah you see this in the <clears throat> the missional traditional sort of approaches to, yeah. to churches right yeah often to be you know on the one side okay we want to be missional so you want to be more sensitive and seeker sensitive and be you know i mean that kind of, that definitely has its pitfalls but i think part of that is what you hit on there is looking for the little the micro rules or like the un the unsaid rules yeah. that have just been traditions or like they often just come from culture or from your background yeah that aren't necessarily yeah. scriptural but they might be good in and of themselves but can act as a bit of a roadblock to those looking right. for uh, a faithful church but don't come from that same background right so yeah. we have to recognize what is the essence of the christian faith yeah i mean that's very easily summarized in, in like essentially one phrase salvation by by faith in christ's sacrifice for your sins yeah and Mm. thankfulness to or or living living uh out god's law Mm. out of thankfulness for that right so if you believe that you're a christian yeah um and yes there are certain principles that we can establish out of that and are necessary to establish but we have to recognize that if someone believes that then yes they are a christian now there might be differences in how we express that Christianity, mm-hmm. but conscience is from God. Yeah. And if someone is convicted and they are, they, they believe in, in Christ's sacrifice for their sins, they believe in that's the only way to salvation. And they believe that they are convicted to do something and that's how they live out their Christian life. Then we have to allow Liberty to do that. Mm-hmm. Now <laughs> there's limits of course, and the limits are probably defined by god's law so i mean 
You yeah, can't sure. you can't have a conviction to divorce your wife because you don't like her and remarry someone else. Yeah. That's not a conviction coming from God. Yeah. That's that's pure selfishness. That's your own desires. Yep. Um but those, then, those get hard to monitor. They get hard to monitor. Right. Um, but I think so there's a, a few things to it. Um you can uh I forget the text and I don't want to misquote it, but you you can see someone's faith by their fruits, mm-hmm. right? So you can you can see when someone is walking a Christian life by sort of what they do. But we've got to be careful to say, oh, that person is we've we've got to be careful to not say, oh, that person is worshiping God different than I would. They must be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because that often happens. And and I think we all have a tendency to do that in our self righteousness. Yeah. Right. So we've got to be very careful with that. Yeah. So if we expect to see, if we as Christians expect to see or hope to see freedom propagate in society, then we have to understand it first. Yeah. And we have to live it out in our churches. It's tricky so, too. Yeah. yeah. You got to be real open, like not too yeah. open. Though, so, you no, know, that's right. Brain falls out, but yeah, yeah. like I've, yeah, I've heard yeah. that, like said, like, do you think that heaven's going to be like what a Canadian reformed church looks like? Right. And I don't know anyone who I've ever talked to who said, Oh yeah. Right. Right. Like, but, but the same thing. So I'm thinking like when I grew up, it's like you grow up into, say you were an, you were part of the Amish community or Mennonite you you grow up into something that you don't really know what's right or wrong some people embrace it and they think it's it's the way it should be yeah and some people you know turn their back on it and say that's insane and then yeah. they go off their entire life they just spout off about how insane it was yeah well like how do I know then like I'm not convicted to raise my hands when I sing right but I could tell you almost with certainty that Part of that's because I never raised my hands when I sung ever. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And so I grew up and no one you raised should, their hands. And I tried on looked around and I thought, yeah, <laughs> we're outside. It's like, Look out for goes outside. Yeah. shorts and flip flops. Yeah. Well, like I'm just thinking like, I, I'm not convicted to do that. Right. I understand if someone else is, and right. I personally don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I would say it's. It, it, it's it would be an interesting conversation in our churches because no one does it. Right. So then you get into, you know, conversations of, well, okay, is it something that we need to be doing? You know, is it something that everyone should be participating in? You know, or is it will there be more people joining in doing it? Like, is it? I don't know. Is it something that should be left to personal liberty of conscience? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. So that. But is it something that's showy or is it like that's the right. conversation sure. we would have? Sure. Yeah. For me, I'm just not convicted to do that. Right. But part of that is because. I've just never done it, nor have I seen someone do it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it's a cultural thing. It is too. But, to a I, but extent. I hate, I, I hate the argument that it's like, you know, your experience is different than mine. And, and therefore, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously we can all learn from each other, but it doesn't mean that, you know, the there way that truth. we grew up is all wrong because right. we haven't sure. opened ourselves to up to like the creativity of like a child. Yeah. We're like, we just do whatever. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if you we want to do that, that's an experiment you could run. Like, <laughs> let your kids decide everything. Kids, <laughs> leave the worship service. So good. Right? I, yeah, I can guess they might not be in the church after. It's like, <laughs> but, right? um, yeah, so within that, like, we still must acknowledge biblical principles for Christian life, right? We still must acknowledge that God ordained um, his rule of law as, as guide for our life of thankfulness. We have to acknowledge that our, like, both freedom and responsibility. We have a responsibility to live according to God's law. 
Um, so we can't let those things slide and say, ah, freedom of conscience, everyone can do what they want. No, freedom of conscience only exists under God's law, mm -hmm. right? So we can't let one thing, one thing slide for the other. Mm -hmm. We're all held to the same standard. We're all we held are. to the law. That's right. You know, so, we had that. We had a conversation with the church order. Well, does the freedom of conscience and the freedom of, um, yeah, does the freedom of your conscience only exist under our church order, Canadian Reformed Church order, or is it right Canadian Reformed Church order and URC Church order, right? Or is it just church order? What about the or Presbyterians? Is it, or? Don't need church order. It just exists, right? So now, like, but yeah, there are rules that govern our world because God has put them in place in order to create freedom for us. Yeah. I think the same goes for the church. Like there is a level of, of guidance and, and I don't want to say tradition, but there's some element of that. Well, there is a recognition can, that can better govern in order to produce freedom. I don't sure. Know. Yeah. There is a recognition that every church will kind of structure itself through its church order and through its, its, um, whatever founding documents, founding documents. Sure. That, that there will be a certain culture in a church, mm. but once that's established and perhaps if you don't like it, then perhaps there's another church that is a better fit for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to be careful that once that's established, we don't start looking down on other churches because no. of it. Right. Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> somewhere else I was going to go with this, but I, I've lost it. So no, yeah, it's fine. On. Like it, it, the church order, if it, um, infringes on your conscience, Right. You should either, you know, first, you know, bring it up Matthew 18 with, you know, people in your church and your elders and try to work that yeah. out. Yeah. Totally. If it still afflicts your conscience, perhaps try to get it changed and you can always go through the processes through synod and whatnot, like we talked about yeah. in that church order episode. And then, you know, if that's still not successful, maybe again, re-examine yourself. And then perhaps that would be a time to like change churches, perhaps sure. if it was like yeah. so deeply yeah. inflicted upon your conscience. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know that's why we have the structure set up like like we discussed in that episode yeah but there's like a, a a bit of a, a discussion that you need to have with yourself about like the the responsibility you have to your church to the local congregation to the other congregants and then also your conscience and how that's convicting you if you can't raise your hands but you know this church body needs you as a you know a member of this body you know perhaps there's a discussion to be had you yeah know, with yourself with others to vote yeah vote. i'm so yeah. very quickly like to to give an example of this, and it's something, it's kind of where I really started thinking about these things. Um, I don't know if you guys know the, the, the name Paul Vanderclay. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he runs, like he's doing some pretty cool stuff in California. Yeah. Uh, CRC pastor. I do not align myself with the CRC at all. No. Right. But I can tell with what he's doing and how he talks, he's a Christian. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. He has, he's, a, he's got a deep relationship with God. And he's doing some, some great stuff, uh, mm. some great kingdom work. But then I was listening to a podcast episode with him where he um, was clearly supporting women in office in the church. And that was like, I really had to wrestle with that because I'm firmly convicted 100% that that is not biblical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also had to consider, okay, he is a Christian, clearly. Yep. Um, I don't think that his salvation is in peril because he thinks this. Yep. There must be some sort of freedom of conscience in that area. Yeah, there must be because it doesn't say that your salvation is is dependent on faith in Christ's sacrifice plus and yeah. no women in the in office, yeah, yeah, right? Right. Now there are biblical principles, and then that's why I'm convicted. But 
he also would have biblical principles for why he's convicted. Yeah. So we must acknowledge some sort of. Yeah, but there's still like you could be right and he could be wrong. Could be. Absolutely. Now, and that's why I mean. So to, to pose it as freedom of conscience is like I get like the raise your hands, sing this song with a guitar or this song with an organ. I get that. That's like to me, that's like trivial conscience kind of things but like when you get into stuff like that that's like kind of like a different tier of like but you know but if salvation is not dependent on that i mean could be wrong i could be right i could be wrong he could be right right we have to acknowledge that there is some sort of freedom there it doesn't doesn't negate having convictions Mm -hmm. because convictions come from god from from the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and if they come from the holy spirit we're supposed to live them out yeah Mm -hmm. you couldn't say that's not a true church i don't think right like, I, it, I don't yeah. think you can make a case. For Perhaps that. it's not a church that I would go to because it affects your conscience. Because exactly. Right. Yeah. So I would find a church that yeah. I can live out my conscience. Uh, no women in, in offices in the church. Yeah. Right. And it does say, like, doesn't Paul say, like, don't bind the conscience of others? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Well, they, 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 that, they relate yeah. that with with food, right? Or Peter did. Yeah. With the Jews and like, the Gentiles. Don't, don't make him yeah, eat something. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to eat. Don't, you know. And make him get don't circumcised. Don't eat because he doesn't want right. to eat. Like, yeah. Like, don't be, you know. And we can tie this all the way back into the beginning of discussion of ideas. This is why we have to discuss ideas, right? Yeah. Because if someone has a different conviction than you, one of you might be right, one of you might be wrong. And together, if you if you have these conversations, you can develop a deeper understanding of the truth. Mm-hmm. And then that is also how God works convictions in you through discourse with other Christians. Mm-hmm. Iron sharpening iron, right? Yep. So that's... I saw, yeah. There we go. Proverbs yeah. on the wall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw Mike's eyes light up when he had like the greatest segue to wrap the thing up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, tie oh, it all, all together. Don't yeah. worry. I'll end the scene. <laughs> that was great. I think we that will leave amazing. it there. We're, uh, yeah. we're at the hour and a half mark. So, yeah. Keep Thanks it so that, much. Was, yeah. that was pretty tight. That was good. Man, that was a fun discussion. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Lots of fun. That was very freeing, honestly. Yeah. That's freedom. <laughs> Just keep aiming at it through discussion. Yeah. So, keep yeah. having real talk. Keep learning, keep talking. We'll catch you next time, folks. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. You can send us your feedback by emailing us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. You can find us on social media by looking for the handle Reformed Real Talk. You can find us online by going to realtalkpodcast.ca. We look forward to your feedback as that's what helps us grow and improve as podcasters. Real Talk is produced by myself, Lucas Holtfluer, Tyler Vanderwood, and Tim Van Wunderberg. The theme music was created by Calvin Hutton. The table and cabinet behind me were made by Ethan Vanderwood of Eureka Woods. And finally, this sign in the studio was made by Zebra Signs. That's it for now, folks. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.